So Peters, and I'm actually the director of Christian Education for Trinity, and I'm also the preschool director. We have a, a preschool that meets here. We'll get that adjusted a little bit for you. I am hearing a lot of feedback. There we go. Um, the preschool director here, Monday through Friday, um, we have a, a horde of children that run through here. So um, if you don't know me, that's who I am. And uh, when, a little confession, when Pastor Tim asked me, hey, Rachel, I want you to give the sermon today. And after the color returned to my face and I was kind of breathing again, my first thoughts were like, hey, what about Youth Sunday? We could throw that in there. Um, guest preacher, we have money, we can pay somebody. Uh, we could take a Sunday off. That's still an option. We can all just walk out right now. Tim never has to know this, right? Um, all those kind of thoughts went through my head. I went home and told my boys over there, hey, Pastor Tim asked me to preach today. And they actually laughed. So that kind of tells you something. Um, I'm sure it was like that encouraging, like, hey, you've got this, Mom. You can do it kind of laugh. But um, preaching's not in my wheelhouse. It's not my thing. Like I said, I do the preschool. I lead a chapel every week. So if we could do songs and motions and all that kind of stuff, I've got you covered. We could do it. Um, this is not my thing. But, you know, so I went through all those options. I actually did tell Pastor Tim no. But guess what? I'm still standing here. So it didn't work. Um, I'm here. We're going to do it. But I did come up with an option. I'm throwing in lots of video today. So we've, we've got it covered. You're not going to have to hear me talk for 20 minutes, which is probably a really good thing. Um, but I did have, when um, knowing his series on anointed that we've been doing for the past six weeks, there's a great video series that actually one of our growth groups and one of our Sunday school classes have looked at um, that went perfectly along with this series. So I was actually excited to be able to pick out some clips for you today from this um, that the congregation as a whole, I think, will be blessed by when we do get to see it. So um, it wasn't too bad of, of a deal here. So um, whether you like this message today or whether I bomb, either way, let's be in agreement. Tell Pastor Tim I did awful, so he'll never ask me again. Let's just let's go with that, okay? Um, but before we start today, we are going to read some scripture, so I'll give you some time if you want to turn there. Of course, it'll be up on the screens as well. It's going to be Jeremiah 29, 4 through 7. Um, so as you turn there in your Bibles, uh, this is not going to be from Samuel, of course, that we have been studying for the past six weeks, but this is another prophet. And remember, just as Samuel was a prophet who was uh, there to pronounce uh, words of God's judgment and hope for the Israelites, uh, Jeremiah had the same job. And in this passage we're going to read, Jeremiah was uh, writing a letter to the exiles, so the Israelite exiles that were in captivity in Babylon. And he's writing them to encourage them because they were going to be there for 70 years. And so he writes these words to them. Um, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So Pastor Tim has started every sermon of this series with these questions and thoughts. So this is going to sound familiar if you've been here. I'm going to read just what he's been telling us. How are we as Christians supposed to be different from our non-Christian neighbors and co-workers? 
Would someone be able to distinguish our Christian behavior from that, say, of a good atheist in the Peace Corps? Is it enough that you simply attend church? Or is it something about church, about faith, that's supposed to make you fundamentally different? We're supposed to be set apart, that means holy, and we know that isn't from us, it's a pure gift from God, which should also make us humble. So the question I'm posing today, is there a discernible difference? Should there be a discernible difference? So if you haven't been here, or if you haven't paid attention, the answer is yes, there should be a difference. Um, and that's the question that made me think of this study series that we're going to look at these clips from. And it's called, for, for the Life of the World, Letters to the Exiles, which examines what are we as Christians here for? What's our purpose? And the key question that they examine is, what is our salvation actually for? Is it just for us? God gave us our salvation. Here you go. You're good. Is it just so we can get to heaven? Is it so we can just sit here for an hour on Sunday and check that off the list? Or is there more? Is it because we've been anointed? Look at the front of your bulletin, the series, anointed, which means blessed, empowered, chosen. Is it because we've been anointed to be different for God's purposes in this world? So we're going to watch about 10 minutes of this first episode of the study, and it's called Exiles, and hear how that question is answered. What is our salvation for? And fair warning, this is kind of a quirky, artsy video, but I'm hoping that you can kind of see past that if it's not quite your thing, um, and appreciate just the truths is going to speak to you. What is our salvation for?
it was just getting good. But we'll get there to oikonomia and what that actually means. Um, but first I want to recap some things. So we're exiles. Welcome, not home. We hear that concept all the time of being in the world, but not of it. But what does that actually mean? Um, almost kind of comes out as cliche at times. Um, and as I said, there's three ways that we usually, um, what happens with this with Christians. So fortification. We shut out the world and we just live in our own little Christian bubble. Forget everyone else. Uh, domination. We condemn the cultural, culture around us and pronounce ourselves the superior. It's kind of where hate comes in. And then accommodation. We just kind of give up, engage in the culture, and we lose the identity that God has given to us. However, none of these are the answers. Um, because instead, we're supposed to live assured that God's going to fulfill the promises that he's going to bring us home. And this is just as the Israelites living as exile and captivity in Babylon who were told by Jeremiah to seek the peace and prosperity and to pray for that city in which they were going to be placed in. So he didn't tell them to fortify themselves, to ignore those that they were with. He didn't say to be superior to them and dominate them. And he certainly didn't say go and just accommodate and just become one of them and lose the faith that I've given you. He didn't say that. He said pay Pray for their peace and prosperity, and these things will come unto you. Um, we didn't read this part, but these verses go on into Jeremiah 29, 11, which is one of those really popular verses a lot of people will um, say, where God says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So many of those original Israelites who got that message from Jeremiah would never see the peace and prosperity that would come to them once they got out of exile. Because remember, that was going to be 70 years later. They would never see God's promises fulfilled. But they were supposed to live with hope for the future, and that's what God asked for us to do too. We're strangers here. We're called to prepare the way by working in the communities that are around us that are hurting, and again, in ways that we may never see come to fruition. That's just the way it may be. We may see little things along the way, but we may never ultimately see the end. But what is God's work? That's where we were kind of left off in that video. What is God's work? And that's where that concept of oikonomia comes. Um, so oikonomia, the Greek word for household management, stewardship, economy. Um, I'm going to use lots of hands here because I think it will help us. Uh, but God's uh, economy is up here. It's overarching. It's, it's on top. And it's his purposes for creation. Um, and that's his oikonomia. It's his economy. Down here are all of our smaller economies that we're responsible for, and those are all the things they mentioned, the families, the jobs, the governments, the institutions, the charities that we're involved with. So God's overall economy up here are smaller economies down here that we're responsible for. And it goes on to explain it like a song, if that helps you, to make it a little bit less abstract. So God's oikonomia, his economy, is the song. And if a song is to be performed correctly, it has to have a specific way all the notes are going to come together to be played in a certain harmony and a certain rhythm. And so let's use like our stage for an example because we have all our instruments up here. We have, you know, guitar, violin, drums, piano, congas, all those things that are usually up here. Some have disappeared. 
Um, and those are going to be like the smaller economies that I just mentioned, the families, jobs, government, schools, charities, institutions. And there's going to be rules. When you play that guitar, you're going to hold your fingers in certain positions on those strings to make certain chords to play certain notes. You're going to strum in a certain rhythm. Um, when you play that violin, again, you're going to hold your fingers in certain ways on those strings and you're going to do the bow uh, to make the notes you need. You're going to play the piano the way a piano needs to be played. You're going to play the drums in a certain rhythm for that song. So if you follow all the rules for playing those individual instruments, they're going to come together to make up that song that you're trying to play, the notes and the rhythms to make that song. So if we align all of our smaller economies, we take responsibility for our jobs and our schools and our charities and our government and our institutions, and we play in harmony and rhythm, we're going to play into God's song, his oikos. It's God's plan, his ultimate plan, his original design for all creation to play together into his song. But how do we play all those distinct instruments? How do we keep all those individual areas in harmony and rhythm? It's easier said than done. Um, And that's where the work of God comes in. And that's where we look at our role as Christians to bless the communities in which we've been placed. Um, God's gifted us with all of creation. Go back to Genesis. He's given us night and day, skies, seas, the animals, plants, but then ultimately the gift of Jesus Christ. So we join our gifts that we've been given We combine that with the gift of Jesus Christ, because without Jesus Christ, this is nothing. And then we give that for the life of the world. And that's ultimately what our salvation is for. We bless this world right here and right now, the parts we love, the parts that we might be indifferent about, and the parts that, yes, we even despise, that we hate, that we wish didn't exist, because we're called to bless all of those. Because we are exiles here, This is not our ultimate home, but we are called to prepare the way for a future coming, to prepare the way for God's purposes, and that's through Jesus Christ. So the video goes on, and if I could have you sit here for another hour and a half and watch them all, they're fabulous, I promise. You can borrow from them from me later. Um, I would, but they go through these five gifts that we've been given that are part of God's economy or his oikonomia. But what I'm going to kind of do is briefly unpack each of them in just a sentence or two. I can't do them justice, but I'm going to try a little bit here to tell you that these five gifts that we've been given, that if we can hone in on these, then we can play those instruments by the rules, um, by the way they're supposed to be played and and play that song that God has created us to play. Um, And the first one is love. All you need is love. We all know that, right? Um, And the video looks at this in terms of marriage and family. And in God's design, and remember, think about this in God's perfect design, a healthy family is the foundation of a healthy society. So don't get your feathers ruffled with that, because I know that can, can do that a little bit. But a healthy family is the foundation of a healthy society. Um, and the idea of a healthy family is one that gives themselves uh, to the world. They, they encourage others, they bless others. And that idea is because then that love from that family can be multiplied out. 
starts with you know your parents and then if they're doing it right and blessing others it that spreads to their children and then those children have learned from those parents they go on to have families and it gets multiplied to their families and so on and so on for generations so starting with that ultimate healthy family that's showing love and blessing others we multiply that idea of love by blessing others um, so to truly love our neighbor we're going to want to seek out ways to bless them so first is love um, second is creative service or work and this goes beyond looking at work as a way just to put you know food on the table get that next cool car that we've been wanting whatever it is um, in the original design God made us to be makers work wasn't designed to be burdensome it wasn't supposed to be um, toilsome it was we were to be makers um, and our gift in God's economy is to follow our callings to create goods and services that benefit people we hear all this all the time. Pastor Tim preaches on this all the time. Um, what are you passionate about? Do you build? What do you like using? Um, do you use your hands to build and to make things? Um, are you called as a parent? Are you a really good mother? Um, do you teach? Do you love math? Um, are you a healer? What can you do? What have you been called to do with your creative service, your work that can bless others? The next one is order, and this one is a huge concept. It's one of those when you watch the video, it kind of it messes with your mind, but then it's mind-blown type of thing. Um, and I hope I can explain it a little bit here. The idea starts that there's injustice in our world, and no one's going to argue with that at all. Um, when any one entity, so government, business, education, um, any one uh, racial group becomes too powerful, decides that they're, they're higher than someone else, injustice occurs. The idea of restoring the gift of order to God's oikonomia is through hospitality. So order could be restored through hospitality. And it's the simple opening of our door to the stranger to see God's image in humanity and to affirm fellow man and their significance. And it seems too easy, and I get it. That concept seems too easy. No, Rachel, you can't just bring justice to the world by being hospitable to someone. That's crazy. But I want you to settle, let that settle in. If we open our doors to strangers, if we saw God's image in our fellow human man and we affirmed their significance, could we restore order? So if we, any dominant group, choose any dominant group, showed true hospitality to any group that felt the injustice and honored them, invited them to our churches, invited them into our homes, what could the impact be? Could we see more order? How can we as Christians start planting those seeds of hospitality? And this is one of those. We might not see it in our lifetime. Chances are we're not going to see it in our lifetime. Injustice is not going to be cured. But it can start with us. How can we show hospitality? It's one of our uh, core values up there. We were on to something, weren't we? Uh, the next part of God's economy is wisdom. And again, this is not the idea of acquiring more knowledge for our own career, for our fame, our fortune, but it's to learn about creation and then how can we use that to serve others. And it's kind of a flow chart idea. The idea is that knowledge gives us the ability to create abundance and then we can bless others with that abundance. Um, and then we're going to love them more fully. Something that came to my mind when I thought about this are the water wells in third world countries. Someone used that knowledge 
knowledge, these third world countries running out of clean water supplies, this basic necessity of life. They didn't have it for cooking, cleaning, all these things they needed. These people are dying because they don't have the basic necessity of life of water. Someone used their God-given knowledge and wisdom and said, we can go over there and build water wells for these people, have them help us build water wells, and thus bring them this abundance of water that they need. And it's happening, and it's been happening for years um, through wisdom, through God's wisdom brought um, this abundance. So it's one of those part of God's economy is wisdom and using it to bless others. And the fifth one, the last one, part of God's oikonomia is wonder. And this is a quote that I loved best. The inefficiency of wonder helps us grasp God's extravagant, gratuitous love for us. The inefficiency of wonder helps us grasp God's extravagant, gratuitous love for us. The gift of wonder is the ability to simply appreciate God's goodness. Not what it can do for us, but just simply for what it is. Scripture uses hundreds of times the word behold. It just tells us, behold God. Behold is creation. It just means to see it, to observe it, just to behold his beauty. And if we can do that, we're able to tell others of God's love and his extravagant love for them. So all these things, love, creative service, order, wisdom, and wonder, are part of God's economy, his oikonomia, his song. So his song up here, remember what I said, using my hands again, his song up here, his economy, all of our economies that we manage down here. If we can use those five gifts and use them well, we can play our instruments correctly, we can bless others um, and play the song as God intended for it to be played. So we're going to watch the last video here, shorter than the first one, and it's entitled Church. And it's appropriately so, appropriately so because guess what? We don't do this thing by ourselves. We're not called to use these gifts by ourselves. We're called to do it together as the church. Um, and you're going to see this video culminate in a party, and it's specifically a marriage feast. And you don't get that whole picture because you're not seeing the whole video series. But they all work together to this marriage feast, which, of course, we see in the Bible. Um, and we're going to see here, but it's a symbolic way that God pours himself out for us, and then we offer ourselves back out to him. And you're going to hear one term in this uh, part, and it's anamnesis. It might be helpful just to know what this means. And it means the lived memory of God's purposes in the world. So just as Jesus left the disciples in us that command to partake of the bread and the cup in remembrance of him as a lived memory of his purpose in this world, we, the church, are keeping alive God's purposes in this world. And hence, we do this with love, creative service, order, wisdom, and wonder. So let's watch this last little part.
So easy enough, we could end on that. But I want to make sure you heard what Grable said when this video started. He says, the church, that's you and me, is the body of Christ given as a gift for the life of the world. I'm going to say it again too like he did. The church is the body of Christ given as a gift for the life of the world. And here's where it comes down to it because we ask the question, are we doing it well? Are we here at this church doing this well? And when I ask that question, rest assured, I include myself in that we. I'm not just looking at you saying you guys. I think very often we fail. We miss the mark in being Christ's body to bless our communities, this community and surrounding ones in ways that really prosper them. It's easier to fortify and live in our bubbles and let our neighbors to deal with their own problems or dominate and speak hate over them for those who don't hold our same values or just to give up and accommodate and just get so far from who God intended us to be really. But I'm going to speak right now for myself and for this church and I told God you couldn't let me cry up here. <laughs> but for this church, for Trinity Presbyterian of Southlake, we are not home and we have work to do. And as God's people, we need to be preparing the way. We need to get to the work of the church, which is to bless the people with the gifts that we've been given to work towards God's economy and to do it well. Because we can do it. We can do it right here with this church. So how are we as Christians, bring this full circle to Pastor Tim's series, supposed to be different from our non-Christian neighbors and co-workers? Would someone be able to distinguish our Christian behavior from that of a good atheist? We're to use those gifts that God has given us. Love others. Be in creative service. Restore order to injustice by showing hospitality to strangers. Use wisdom to create abundance to serve others and behold the wonder of who God is to share his extravagant love with others. We, the church, are to be the lived memory of God's purposes in this world. The church is the body of Christ given as a gift for the life of the world. And that, my dear church, is what our salvation is for. Let us pray. Father in heaven, what an honor that we get to be the lived memory of your purposes for this world. May we take that work with the utmost responsibility and humility. Help us to do your will. Amen.